You're listening to TOSE, The Other Side Enterprise, where we are committed to bringing you to the other side, taking you from dreams to possibilities and on to reality. Listen in on talks for business and life coaching starting right now with your host, Tiffany Rufino. Hey, everybody. Welcome to TOSE, The Other Side Enterprise, our very first show. I'm your host, Tiffany Rufino, and I also have my number one, my partner in crime and my tech guy, Jeff Rufino, along with me. Say hello, Jeff. Hello, Jeff. Yeah, very good. (laughs) So welcome to our podcast. And uh, before we start, I just want to give a little bit of information and background on me, why I started the other side enterprise and what that means. And also, we're going to talk a little bit about how to hire the right person for your organization and how to um, find the right person for the role that you're trying to fulfill. Because I think right now the challenge is, well, I'm going to get ahead of myself. So let me let me start from the beginning. So I've been in the business industry for about 23 years. I've had experience with pharmaceuticals, with retail and big box retail, um, clothing, and then um, home goods, uh, not the home goods store, but selling home goods. And then I went into the beauty industry and became a cosmetologist and very quickly became leadership and then um, ultimately had districts and then grew into a business development trainer. I am certified in life coaching in neuro-linguistic programming. I am also certified in cognitive behavioral therapy, and I am earning my associate's degree while I work full-time at my current job and while I am starting my business as an entrepreneur. So I have various background um, experience that I'd like to share with the world. And one of the things that inspired me to create the Other Side Enterprise was that I want to change the game, that I feel that you know there has to be a turning point in business in order to change with the times and change with what employees are looking for out of an organization and what organizations are looking for out of the employees and how do we make those things match so that both sides are happy and in return, our customers are happy. And so with the other side enterprise, the thought is, is that we take you to the other side of what you are at right now. So if you're not happy in your position where you are with a company, if you're not happy with where you're at in your entrepreneurship, if you're just not happy and you need a jump start as far as a life coach thing, or if your culture isn't happy and the vibe just doesn't feel great in your workplace, the other side enterprise is taking you from that side to what the reality or possibility could be for you and turning that into a reality. So if you can't see beyond what's murky right now and that fog that's in front of your face because things aren't going right. That's where we come in and we talk through things with you and we help clear that vision so that this way we could get you on a path to greater days. So taking things from great to greater, from bad to greater, from good to greater, just always elevating it to the next level. It's basically a paradigm shift. So it's changing Mm -hmm. your mindset. Yeah. In how you look at your business. Yeah, for sure. I think that the mindset has to change first because if you can't see that there is a possibility, then nothing's going to change, right? You don't change anything, nothing changes. Absolutely. All right. So uh, what did I miss? Talked about me, talked about the business, and then we're going into interviewing. Yeah. So interviewing and the purpose behind interviewing, the purpose behind a good interview. Mm. You want to uh, attack that retention. Yes, attacking the retention. So my thought with... The other side enterprise, the way that my 
enterprise is organized is in, in the shape of a star. That's that's exactly what it is. So when you think about a star, not the cartoony stars with like the little rounded edges, I'm thinking a full-on star that has the five points, right? And I know that there's business cultures that are based on the five points of a star, but my enterprise is formed differently. So there's two sides that make up one point. And so each side of that star is a different department, if you will, of the organization. So one side might be sales, one side might be coaching, and then you move to the other point of the star, and that is made up of two sides. And one side might be technical, the other side is media. And then you have the next two sides, and that might be facilitation and coaching, and then so on and so forth. And so the thought is, is that there's not a hierarchy in that you have a senior vice president, vice president, a coup, a CEO, and CFO, and CIO, and all the O's that you could have. It's that you have all these sides of the star that need to work together in order for the organization to work. And having said that, when I created this thought and, and used my node, thanks to my husband, because I think very matrix um, until it comes down to a plan and then it could be very linear. My node helped me figure out, okay, so if I have this side of the star, like the sales side, what is going to encompass that sales side? And do I need a leader of that side? Yeah, absolutely. But that leader is going to build their own team of stars and then those stars are therefore going to carry out the duties of the sales side. So having said that, when I was looking for who I wanted to be in leadership on my on my team, I need people that can go ahead and take that side of the star and run with it. And I have to have full trust that they have the abilities to do that. And the other piece of it is, is that when I spoke to people about what my plan was and how I wanted to change structure of businesses and organizations and put this paradigm shift out there, I also didn't want the person to conform to the role. I wanted the role to conform to the person. And I think that's the biggest challenge out there right now is that everybody's so dead set on, okay, so these are the requirements for the position. You have to have a bachelor's degree. You have to have five years of industry experience and you have to have, you know, a dog and a cat and you have to know yoga or like some stuff that doesn't even make sense. And, you know, being in college right now, and I think about the classes that I take and forgot what movie it was, but, or maybe it was a meme that I saw and somebody's like, yeah, I'm so glad I took that zoology course for my degree in, you know, like accounting. Um, you know, there, it's like the, the requirements for you to get a piece of paper that still doesn't give you the experience and the role. So if I got fresh out of school, but I've never worked a day in my life, but you're putting me in this role just because I had that paper, that's your first challenge. What do you? What are your thoughts on that? It's definitely a recipe for failure. Um, the the best thing to have instead of the piece of paper, not that the piece of paper is not important, because right? Because I'm getting it, one right now. Yeah, <laughs> so it, it's, it is important. It, it definitely speaks to also your discipline and being able to attain that. Um, but I think the more important thing is what passion do you bring to the role? There are a lot of people that are um, experienced in something, but that's not the thing that they love. So they don't really bring passion. They don't really bring attention to detail to what they want to do. Um, so there's there's more to it than just having the expertise or the education in a specific topic. Right. No, thank you for that. And, you know, going back to me going for my degree, I took a 20 year uh, maturity hiatus from attempting college the first time around 
to going back um, just for my own personal reasons and goals. But I've always been an entrepreneur in my mind. Like I, that's what I was put on this earth to do. And I remember friends telling me, you know, I can, I could see you owning your own business one day. I could see you being the CEO. And I'm like, it's not the title that matters to me. It's what am I going to bring to the world that it needs at this moment? And I remember like being six years old and sitting on my front yard in New York and I have a coloring book and a little table set up and I'm sitting on like a tree stump and I'm coloring these pages furiously and then a car would come by and I'd rip it out and I'd run up to the car and sell it for 10 cents because I just wanted to have a product that somebody would need. And I I did decent for a six-year-old. Um, and then getting a little bit older... I was probably about nine and I was so into the Babysitter's Club books and I decided to start my own babysitting club and I would have my friends come over my house and basically pay me to hang out with me like we'd have a treasury fund and they'd have to bring like 50 cents and we put it in there, you know, for babysitting quote unquote fees. And um, I got the babysitting jobs. My my friends didn't. So I learned there that, you know, I can't just do it for me like I have to do it for the team as well. Um, but like even from them, I just had the mindset of there there has to be an organization, there has to be partnership, there has to be, you know, a, a buy in. And I think it starts with we got to stop asking people to conform to what we think is the norm for roles and start conforming the role to the person. And I think once you can conform the role to the person, that's where you're going to drive that passion. That's where that person's going to bring their best. And that's where open communication happens because you're using the person's strengths and they're coming to you with any opportunities because they're feeling good about their role and and they want to continue doing good with that. So having said that, going back to my organization or my enterprise rather, when I was thinking about, for example, the sales side, I have somebody um, that is taking care of the sales side for me. When I brought her the idea, I said, you know, before I even place an idea in your head about what role you you would want in this organization, what do you love to do? And they shared with me, I love sales. I have a passion for sales. I love the numbers. I love teaching people how to sell. I love teaching people what they could do better in their company. And or and you could see her eyes light up. Like she was just really excited about it. She was excited about the verbiage that she would give to people in various companies. And she said, the one thing I don't want to do is go out and get sales. I don't want to go out and be the one that gets the clients, but I will take care of like once we have the clients, I could go in and I could coach all day long to the sales piece of it. And I can train a team to go ahead and I could train them to go out and get clients and I could train them on how to have conversations with clients and coach them to do greater things. But I just that's the one thing like I don't like doing. And I get it because ironically, I'm not a fan of recruiting. And yet here I am recruiting (laughs) all these people to be part of the enterprise. So with that, you know, we looked at what my first initial um idea was for what the sales uh, area or the sales side would have. And I said, no problem. So we'll just take that part out of you, you know, networking or going out to get sales. And I can move that over to another side. And so, you know, she said, if that's the only thing that would change, she's like, then the role is perfect for me. And the cool thing is, is that if later on, she wants to go to another side of the organization, the leaders of the organization can do a paradigm shift within that, right? So we could rotate as a star and maybe she'll go on to the training side because then maybe she'll go ahead and she'll start training other people within the enterprise how to go ahead and do sales. 
and she'll get the experience of training and somebody else can take on the role of sales. So everybody is well-rounded in the organization. The thing that stands out to me is the flexibility. I have worked in a lot of jobs where I do something good and maybe it's not the thing I love, but because that's the or the thing that I do well is the thing that I have to continue to do because I do it well. And there's no opportunity to try something different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, it's it's fucked up. <laughs> like, I'm just going to say it because you get placed in this pigeonhole of, well, you're great at this. So we're just going to keep you here because if we move you somewhere else, no one is going to be as great as you are at that thing. And we're not going to keep getting the same results that we're getting. And I've seen that in jobs. And then it's like, well, shit, I was so good that you can't grow me now. That's basically what you're telling me, that I have no career path because nobody could do it as great as me. And I, that, that's, that's why people leave. That's one of the reasons why people leave. Another reason why people leave their organization or their job is that there's no career path. They feel like they're not growing. They're not paid what they're worth. Or there's no flexibility in time. That there has to be this Monday through Friday sort of um, you know block of time where everybody has these business hours. But in reality, that's, that's not the truth. Some people are night owls. I benefit from working at night because that's when I come alive. That's where my mind wakes up while the caffeine has kicked in from the day. My ideas, my creativity comes out, and that's where I perform at my best. But if it's not within this structure of time, then I have to force myself to be something I'm not, and you're not going to get the best of me of, of those times. Would you agree? Yeah. I'm, I mean, we run into this a lot. I'm an early bird, right, <laughs> And while you're a night owl, so... When I wake up, my brain just starts up and I want to do a ton of things. And and I'm like, don't talk to me for two hours. I, yeah. I don't have words. <laughs> I just don't. <laughs> it, and for me, you know, sometimes uh, when you're in an organization, you might work with people that are in different time zones that uh, maybe they're ahead of you, they're behind you or wh- what have you. And it really kind of sucks when you have to say, well, I have to work later in the night in the evening or earlier in the day as opposed to having the flexibility to work whenever you need to yeah and i think look there's going to be roles where it is defined right because maybe it's bankers hours and you have a role that's payroll or it's human resources and it has to be in line with dealing with bankers and and this sort of thing so you're going to have roles like that but that's where you find a person that needs something like that where they need a nine to three or a nine to five instead of finding somebody that has a uh, whatever degree in in accounting that you know could do xyz but it has to be like i just don't get why the bullet points is what matters and the person doesn't and you know it's like i checked i checked off everything they meet all the list requirements but you know the one thing that they can't do is work nine to three so we're just going to toss them away and then they wonder why millennials don't want to work for them right and i think the flexibility has to be there like Who freaking cares if you're going to get the best out of a person at nighttime and they can produce, then let's have them work at night from home. Right. You know, and let's let's go based on the quality of work instead of the amount of time that they're working. What are your thoughts on that? Another side to the flexibility aspect, I'm, I'm a person who likes to think I, I don't even know what a box is. Uh, people who know me will tell you that um, you're surrounded by boxes. By the way, 
<laughs> that may be so, but in my mind room. is not. So yeah. in any case, um, in the jobs that I've worked, I, will, I always try to think of something different, a different way to approach what I'm doing or something that uh, you you look look forward and think, hey, what problem could come up later? And one thing that I like to have people encourage me to do and I like to encourage others to do is sometimes it's better to ask for forgiveness than permission mm. and to have the flexibility to innovate and to just say, hey, I have an idea that's going to better the organization. Let me just go ahead and do it. It may not be the the box that my role is painted in, but the higher priority thing, maybe it's something that we're blind to. There's an iceberg coming up and I know how to avoid it. So I'm going to put thing A that I'm supposed to do to the side in order to avoid this iceberg. And some organizations will actually punish you for that, which which doesn't make sense. Yeah. And I think you said it best when you talked about being innovative. And part of that is, is that, listen, if what you're doing right now isn't working, then there's no reason why you shouldn't try something else to get a different result, right? Because going back to it's not about who you are, it's about what you do. So it's not saying that you're a, a messed up person, that you don't know what you're doing and all this stuff. It's just that the old way hasn't worked in a while. Let's change it up and try something new and change the game. And really just like have a meteor just crash and erase everything that we know and and start with a different purpose. And going back to purpose, I think that's what people are looking for when they're looking for a company. Like, what's the greater purpose? How can I feel feel part of a team, part of a group? How do I feel like I'm contributing, but I'm also standing out in my own right? And I'm doing what I love in my time frame and you know, when you think about the time frame piece, I think that if somebody's doing what they love, they're willing to work more anyway. You know, if I'm loving what I'm doing, I'm loving who I do it for. The company has a great culture. They have great mission statements. They have a great uh, value system and they actually live and breathe it. And the common purpose of the organization is one that I believe in. Then, yeah, I'm going to give my all and then some. And I look back at my history of being in leadership, which is another thing. You know, there's a difference between being a boss, a manager and a leader. Um the leader piece to me is that I'm willing to get in and do it and get dirty with the team where I think a manager just manages where everybody's supposed to be and a boss tells people what to do and, you know, sits back in the office and complains when it doesn't happen. So I remember when I was working for a company and I had a team of people and this team of people may work with me one night, may work with another, uh, I would call the other person a manager another night. But any night that I worked, I made sure that it was efficient so that we could get out of there on time. But there was this one night that we all worked and we had a visit. You remember those things where, you know, the higher ups would come and visit the store or whatever. And all of them stayed late. I didn't even have to ask a single soul. I was like, you know, guys, I get it. I could stay. I could take care of this. And they're like, no, 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 we're going to stay. We made fun times of it. You know, we pumped up the music. The store looked like, I mean, you could eat off the floor. It was just amazing. And I actually, you know, kind of got in trouble the next day by management. Like, why does your team do that for you? And they don't do that like when I close with them. Like, what's the difference? You know, is there gossip going on and they feel a certain way about me? And that's the piece of wanting to be liked. You know, that's the ego that steps in and is like, why don't they like me? Why do they like you more? And you can't explain that. 
It's just something that you create for your team based on what you're willing to do and based on your actions. And, you know, you're not making it a scenario where you're the boss and you have a team under you. I don't give a shit about titles. I don't care what you call me. I care that you reach your goals and I care that you work in a place that you love and that you're earning the money that you need to live your life. As long as I could do that and I could be that for you, then call me whatever you want. (laughs) Well, all right, so I'm going to segue here because I, I, there's some information that I want to know. How do you, because we've talked a lot about what a good position looks like. What does, what does your workforce look for? How does that translate into a business? Like how can they, A, make the job look attractive to the workforce? That's, that's important. But B... What should they be looking for when they're hiring in order to make sure that they're getting those people that will stay late, that will go the extra mile? Okay, so great questions. Um, I think we have to go backwards just a little bit more on that because you can't bring people into a broken culture. So you got to make sure home is right first before you invite guests over to your home. And so if the culture already is filled with negativity, if you could cut through your business culture with a knife when you walk into your office, your store, your salon, your like supermarket, wherever it is that you work or your own business, even if your business is out of your in your home, then you got to fix that first because whoever you bring into that is going to feel that immediately. And that's going to be their their first impression of the organization. And they're either going to run with that and keep that Uh, poison going, or they're going to stay there just for a little bit until they find the next best thing, you know, to get them out of there. So you really have to take an honest look at what are you presenting and is it authentic? And do you really act on the things that, again, your, your mission statement, your values, your beliefs, and your purpose, are you really acting on that within the organization? I think in order to make it attractive to like for a role, for example, like if you're saying, How do I make a technical position attractive to a tech person, especially when there's so many people out there that are interested in being in the tech field? I have to think about, okay, what within my team would add to my team and not subtract from my team? And on top of that, what are they bringing to the team that um, I can't already do? Like I need somebody like we shared before, an innovator. I need somebody who comes up with ideas and then wants to build on them. I want somebody that's free thinking, that's creative. Um, So I have to ask those questions of that person. But then I also have to ask that person, what are you looking for from me? Because if you're coming with all this knowledge, what am I going to do that's going to help you as your partner in this, as a partner in your career goals, that's going to elevate you to the next level? Because I could give you the benefits, I could give you the 401k, I can give you, you know, all the great stuff that a, that a enterprise or organization would provide to you. But what is it going to do for you personally that's going to grow you internally? Is it if you're coming on board as a tech person, is it in the future you want to train people on technical stuff or coach people on technical stuff and you don't have the people skills to do that or you don't have the... Um, the verbiage or the facilitation skills to do that because then I I know where I can take you and I can put you in front of audiences and I could slowly, you know, do the karate kid and teach you wax on, wax off until before you know it, you're teaching a room of like 300 to 1,000, you know, no problem. So I, I think the questions have to go both ways that 
it's not a checklist. When you have an interview, it's a conversation. And the conversation has to be open-ended questions to really understand a person and what their future goals are and being realistic and open about them and not shooting them down when they provide it to you. That's actually really cool. I I knew a guy who um, every time he did an interview, part of the inter- interview process, and this was a sales manager, he would bring the person he was interviewing out to the sales floor and introduce them to three or four people that were already part of the, the, the group and just see how they interacted. Because the way he felt, they could be super qualified, but if they weren't ready to fit into the mold of what the um, what the rest of the the team was doing, then they were going to struggle. It was going to be an, an issue. Yeah. So I think you bring up a very good point um, in that it needs to be a conversation. Uh, you, you're going to get much more information that way. You're going to you're going to be able to. Um, what am I? Tr- how am I trying to put this? You're going to be able to get more of a picture of how that person is going to look into your organization instead of what are they qualified to do in a vacuum, like put them in a in a blank room and can they type versus add them to a writing team and can they synergize? Yeah. And, you know, one of the other questions that you had asked me that I think I missed answering is how do you get somebody to want to work more hours? And the answer is you don't. You don't you, you can't make somebody work more hours. You you can't make that attractive. What it is is that they're so creative, they're so involved in the process that it's so transparent in the communication again what the mission, values, purpose and the benefits are like the why, you know, I love Simon Sinek and he sorry, Jeff, he's my work husband and he doesn't know it. <laughs> um because Simon really changed my life with a lot of of information and so did Gary Vaynerchuk, but um, going back to that, if if they have that why, that passion is always running. And it's something where when you get that idea, you get that inspiration, you can't not do something about it. Because people like that jump on it and they have to get that energy out and they have to put it down on paper or they have to create something to make it happen. So when they're part of it and they clearly understand the direction the organization is going and they have the ideas because they're in it with you, they are going to stay later. But chances are, if your team is running efficiently and smoothly because there is clear communication, nobody's going to have to work later because things are getting done. They're getting done on time because things were communicated on time. They were communicated clearly and they were communicated in a way that makes sense for the team. You know, so you can't communicate the same way to everybody. And I think that's a big part of it, too. I can't talk to you the same way that I talk to, like, my best friend, the same way that I talk to my brother, the same way that I talk to my mom. Like, there's all different communication styles. I'm not an auditory, ironically, learner, you know, and here I am doing a podcast. I don't learn by listening. I learn by doing. And, you know, with you helping me with some uh, school projects, you've learned that. Some people are visual, so they might need it in an email. Some people might need it in a video. Some people might need it in a podcast that they listen to on the way to work. And that's the communication from the organization to their team members. So um, I think communication, like everything boils down to it. How do you communicate exactly what is needed out of the role that you're positioning to somebody and how do you put it out there in a creative way that doesn't sound like every other organization's, you know, uh, 
help message. I feel like it's a bad signal that you send out to the world. Like, I need somebody that can do this and they have to have all these things. Please help me. And it can't be like that because you get overlooked just like the same person that has a resume. That's the same word format that came out in 1993, you know, where you like overlook it because it's just not trendy, eye catching. It, it doesn't have a purpose to it. It's just a checklist. <clears throat> Yeah, um, I think that answers the question perfectly. Uh, I like working extra hours. I love it. Uh, you know that. Mm-hmm. I I love the idea that there's a, a challenge before me. And if I need to do some additional stuff to get it done, I just do it. I, I work better with people that that do that as well, that, that join me in that quest. But... There are sometimes people that don't, and I've been guilty of this. I look at them kind of funny, like, how come you don't want to put in additional work? And that's not good because you can, they're still contributing. So you, it's better for them to do the contributions that they're doing, if they're good, if they're high quality, instead of ostracizing the hours. them and then maybe not getting anything at all because they feel like they're not part of the team. Right. They're really just sitting there looking at the clock thinking, okay, four more minutes till I clock out and that's my 60-hour work week because I was supposed to work 60 hours this week. And what's the term for, um, for some reason it's not coming to mind, but for somebody who works a lot and and works really, really hard and... Workaholic. A workaholic, thank you. I don't know why that wasn't coming to me. But yeah, I, I think that that also has... A bad connotation to it but if it's your passion then why wouldn't you want to do it right you're at work for the majority of your day anyway and then you have a couple of days off or whatever but if you love what you do then it's not it's not work and I think about you know the questions that I've been asked how do you find time to do your current full-time job start your own organization and then on top of that you're going to school full-time and I make the time I, I make the time because all three are important to me all three, well, with the exception of school, because that's online, <laughs> but all three have people that are important to me and, and being able to be a support to them and be a coach and a mentor is what drives me. So um, it's not that I'm a martyr. It's that I have enough energy to keep that going. The other thing that I think you you kind of touched on is the idea that, you know, I think about it like this. Nobody's perfect. So you really want to have great communication with people. You really want to have a clear message. You really want to have a great culture. But when you miss the mark, you also want to have self-awareness and accountability. You don't want to be a type that just points the finger. If you fucked up, say you fucked up. Mm -hmm. Hey, I missed the mark on this. I'm going to do it better next time. And people respond to that as well. You don't want to throw people under the bus. I've always said that, you know, I I would love to be on top of the world and have a trillion dollars, but I'm never going to step on anybody's neck to do it. Mm -hmm. And I think people respond well to that. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, thinking about it and thinking about the people that um, have talked to me about the other side enterprise and coming on board and, you know, that they were excited about it, but they were hesitant about joining the top thing that came up for every single person was I don't want to disappoint you and that's why I'm afraid to come on board and what was funny about that is that 
I don't have any expectations. <laughs> the only expectation that I have is creating an enterprise where we can go in and help other organizations and companies and businesses and people that are, you know, just unsure of what the next step is, is is helping them with the tools and things necessary to succeed. Um, and And I told every single person, I said, I hope you fuck up and I hope you fuck up hard because if everything's going right, something's wrong. Something's really, really wrong. And I said, and I want us all to learn from this because even though you may be on the sales side of the organization, because that's your passion, you're still an entrepreneur of that sales side. If you're on the coaching side, you're still an entrepreneur creating that coaching side of the organization. If you're on the training side, you're still an entrepreneur, you know? So if you don't fuck up, you're not going to learn how to do it better, greater next time. So fuck up as much as you want and let's do it now so that, you know, we can tell other organizations what earn the right it's like I am able to stand in front of you and tell you how to run your business because I fucked up and here's what happened and here's how you should make sure that doesn't happen to you yeah I'm I'm vicious when it comes to like companies that provide service to us in our home so we recently changed our internet service provider I was (laughs) I had no like it was just instant my internet was down you didn't come within a few hours and I was let's go We're, we're going on to somebody else And so I I tell a lot of people, I don't judge people or companies in their interactions with me by what happens when everything is going great. Mm. Yeah, Um, you don't remember it when it's going great. Yeah. Well, everybody's smiling when they're eating ice cream. Yeah. It's when you have to. Unless it's a flavor you don't like. (laughs) Well, even then, you you know, you could eat pistachio ice cream and it's still, you know, I mean, I love pistachio ice cream. but not, Not everybody does. But if you have to eat broccoli and uh, Brussels sprouts and spinach and, you know, all, and liver and onions and all that stuff. And you have to do that. You, you need that. How you react to when things are going south, when you're under the gun and somebody missed a huge deadline or somebody misunderstood what was needed. And do you then point to your team and say they did they fucked up or do you raise your hand and say, OK, you know what? If I have to stay till midnight, I screwed this up. I'm not going to kick anybody down. I'm going to, you know, that that speaks volumes. Um, same thing with businesses. If you're a business, what do you do when you fuck up and you screw something up for one of your customers? Do you try to cover your ass and say, well, you know, you must have misunderstood. You didn't read. No, you the, give them the, the pickle. Print. Wasn't that a book? Give them the pickle. Yeah, give them yeah. the damn pickle. You. You raise your hand and you, you know, because people, nobody's perfect. People fuck up. And how you react to that is 100%, you know, 100% of the. uh, The equation. And, you know, when you're a leader, you automatically own any fuck up. If you don't, then that makes you a boss. And I don't give a shit about bosses. I don't give a shit about managers either. You know, you have to be a leader because you have a team of people that you are leading. They are there because there's a purpose. They need to make money in order to support their lifestyle. And you took on a role that puts you in a leadership position and you have to be the leader that gets to, gets them to do what they need to do in order to live that lifestyle. Ultimately, when you're doing that, then you get the results that you need. So in just like landing the plane with what we've discussed today, I think the biggest piece is that you have to get rid of the idea that there is a specific 
person that fits this specific checklist in your specific role that you've been told has to happen for your organization. I think that there's so many um, black and whites and that we have to move to being gray because ultimately it has to change. It has to change for our economy to keep growing. It has to change for our stock market to get better and, and be more consistent with higher results. And it has to change in order for just America, I think, in general to grow and be innovative. And I think that what we've ultimately become is complacent and what we know quote unquote works as far as a hierarchy, but that's just the people that have the money that are in control and able to do that. When in reality, what we have to start doing is thinking fresh, thinking new and thinking, how could we advance even further into the future if people are happy doing what they love? And that goes back to communication, asking the writing, the writing questions, the right questions for the candidate that you're looking for, for your role, but really asking your team members or yourself, if you're an entrepreneur, what is it that you're looking for in a partner? Because if there's two of you that are exactly alike, there's no need for one of you. And I'm not saying go back and fire employees or people that are just like you. I'm saying, how are you balancing out your strengths and how are you creating leaders or creating innovative, creative people with the talents that they have and elevating them to the next level instead of pigeonholing them into what they're great at and having them feel like they can't grow and having them leave your organization. So those are the kind of thoughts around that. And I think that goes back to the right questions. When are you most alive with your creativity or with your work style? Is it morning or night? If you had to define your dream job, what would that be? Like, what do you see yourself doing for the rest of your life? If it's bouncing all around, then think to the future as a leader. Do you see an opportunity for this person to move from one department to another department? Do you see them moving from one building to another building on the other side of the United States? Maybe you're based out of New York and you have an office in California and you could see a future for this person so that this way you're not thinking in the now and you're thinking in the future, not only for your organization, but for the person in front of you. So that kind of wraps up today's episode of TOSE, The Other Side Enterprise. Um, stay tuned, stick with us. We're going to have all different types of podcasts based around sales, based around building a culture, based around building mission statements and really following through with that based on values of organizations. We're going to have phone calls. I got people that are real estate agents for, um, really big markets. Um, I have people that are entrepreneurs that I want to talk to and find out what's working for them, what they have used, what they haven't used to grow their business. I have people that want to talk to you about coaching, about mentoring, about sales, about training, about technical technical stuff, everything that you need to really inspire you and get you going from where you are today and to take you from great to greater. So um, thanks for listening to our very first podcast. Thanks for uh, listening to us, you know, work our way through our thoughts. And, you know, honestly, this isn't scripted. It's just what's on my mind. And that's kind of how I'm planning on rolling moving forward. So I hope you go ahead and subscribe and share with your friends. And I look forward to seeing you on the other side. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to subscribe and share. We'll see you next time on The Other Side Enterprise.